everybody. I'm Nathaniel. And I'm Liz. And you are listening to the Tough Like a Girl podcast. And much like last month, slightly, <laughs> slightly behind, we're going to be talking about... Story of my life. Yeah. Captain Marvel. Uh, and both of us have read the volume of Captain Marvel that is titled Higher, Further, Faster, More. This uh, is a collection of issues written by Kelly Sue DeConnick with art by David Lopez. Lee Loffridge did the coloring, lettering by Joe Caramagna, and uh, David Lopez also did the covers, which is nice. So, um, we we have, it's worth noting, we have both also seen the Captain Marvel movie. We will be talking about that, but we're going to save that towards the tail end. So the story kind of opens in media res with Captain Marvel in a small sort of consortium of aliens landing somewhere and we don't entirely know what they're doing. Things go a little south. There's a there's a bit of a tussle and somebody gets, you know, kind of captured and vanished. And then we jump to six weeks ago. And this uh, brings us back to Captain Marvel having all her powers. This is not an origin story comic. But it is kind of the origin of her leaving Earth and taking on a new mission. Because she's on Earth doing the Avengers thing. And, you know, being pretty good at it. And... Hanging with Tony. Hanging, hanging with Tony and, um, and Rhodey and, and those folks. And what ends up happening is there's a, there's a capsule that lands on Earth. And inside is a young alien girl... And they're like, well, we got to take this back somewhere. And she volunteers basically because she wants to go into space. And this is her shot. At, yeah, this is her shot at doing it. So going out, she encounters the Guardians of the Galaxy. She gets this um, young girl to her, I'm going to put in air quotes, home planet. Because it's a planet that her people got moved to. And they're now trying to be forcibly moved off of. Um, and there's a lot kind of going on there in terms of the politics at play. Um, and For a thin volume, there's a lot of plot. There is, yeah, this, this, I mean, this reads at a pretty brisk pace, but there is quite a bit uh, going on and quite a bit that it establishes as it goes. Mm -hmm. um, but she, you know, she does what she can to help the people uh, who need help. And to the extent that they are willing to let her help them, because not all of them are thrilled to have her around. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, we'll touch on more specific stuff as we go, but um, general thoughts. I liked it. Um, I almost wish it was longer, because I felt like there was, I mean, it's sort of a environmental story. And I almost, you know, like, I've seen sort of... Well, not the alien version, but, like, the, you know, realistic version of, like, what's this ecological disaster, what caused it kind of thing, and it's, like, movie length and really establishes things better. And I felt like there was a lot going on with this where I almost wished it was, like, novel length, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think this is one of the cases where what we bump into is just the the issues of trade paperbacks versus the graphic novels when we do them. Whereas, like, it's pretty rare for a trade to be 
intended as a complete story. Like maybe every now and then you get a mini arc, mm -hmm. but like the intention is you buy this and then you buy volume two and then mm -hmm. volume three and volume four because that's not really done. So sort of taking that into account, what did you think? Of, well, let's start with Carol Danvers herself, Captain Marvel. What did you think of her? I liked her all right. Um, again, like, she was more interesting in space and interacting with Tick. I think I like Tick the best in terms of the most fleshed out of as sort of secondary characters. Tick being the, uh, the alien girl she's trying to get back. Yep, the teenage yep. alien girl. Um, and I like several of the other characters, too. Um, I like, well, we're not talking about the movie yet, but I liked, I liked Carol better in the movie. Okay, well, we'll get there. Uh -huh. Um, what I liked about her here is they, they did a, a pretty good job, I think, of capturing that, that kind of restless explorer spirit that's kind of pushing her to want to take this mission in the first place. That's true, yeah, she definitely has that established in the beginning and she's like I want to go into space and like kind of has a rivalry slash romance with Rhodey so yeah um I also actually really liked that when she got there uh, when she got to her destination with Tick and it's like you're in trouble I want to help that they're kind of like we don't want your, your help, help. Yeah. because otherwise like it could have risked dipping into white savior nonsense but it it actually does a pretty good job of not doing that. Yeah. Like, they, they, the, these, I mean, she does help, ultimately, but, like, these people, she, she could not have helped them if they had not mostly helped. Grudgingly, yeah. If they had not mostly helped themselves as far as they could. Mm-hmm. If, if she had just tried to help on her own and they weren't doing anything, she couldn't have pulled this off. No. So I think that, that helps balance things uh, quite a bit and avoid what otherwise could have been a very troublesome trope. Um, what what'd you think of uh, of Chewie, of the cat? I liked him. <laughs> I, I just, I just, I just love how um, Rocket absolutely freaks out. Oh, I know. I had fun with the, the Guardians were good. Except they were, Groot was kind of scary looking. I'm used to him being cute. I'm used to them all being kind of cuter and they were all like serious looking. Yeah, Groot in the comics is kind of terrifying. Mm-hmm. He is really yeah. terrifying. Yeah. He's, Rocket's uh, not as cute either, though he's still funny. I still love Rocket. I mean, Rocket is just as much of a smartass. Oh, yeah. Bless him. <laughs> I mean, and, like, in general... <laughs> in general, like, the Guardians characters are very different in the movies. I would say Drax probably more than any of the others. Do we see Drax? I don't we, think we see him. He doesn't do much. Oh, okay. I think most that he does in this is, like, pound on a door at some point. Mm. He he doesn't do much, but he was probably the most altered. But anyway, God, we're getting into movies already. Um, so aside from feeling like it wasn't long enough, were there any other things that were particularly at issue for you? Um, no, not really. I mean, I didn't. I didn't dislike it at all. I enjoyed it. It was really interesting. I just wanted it more fleshed out as a story and like. There are a lot of interesting characters, and I would have liked to have spent more time with them and getting to know their personalities 
and things like that and establishing a bit more of the history. For what it was, it was good. I just, you know, wanted more. Um, I mean, I feel like we got a we got a decent sense of the sort of little band that she ends up sort of teaming up with on the planet because we've got Gil, who's this sort of big, kind of surly, grumpy guy. But then we've got Jackie. I love Jackie. I figured you would love Jackie with her tentacle hair. Yeah. Uh, and her wife, who we meet at the end. Oh, is that her wife? Okay, I didn't realize they were wives. I knew they I, were lovers. At I least. think so. Well, maybe it's not said flat out wife, but def definitely her partner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but also with Tinder. Well, and she she also jo jokes at her till death do us part, and that. Oh, that's true. That's a vow. Okay. Yeah. So like, Marriage, I yeah. I read that as as married. Yes. Well, I I thought that was more of a like ominous. Well, yeah, yes, but like the reason it plays is. If that relationship... Yeah, that makes sense. ...is what they have. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, like, this this was fun. It it did a pretty good... Oh, and ooh. I like the leader, too, Madame, and I like it when she yes. flails her thing, her her neck frill, and looks like a Dilophosaurus. <laughs> And, and and I won't mention that you had me look up to make sure that that was what it <laughs> oh, was called. Oh, you won't mention that. I, you won't I, mention I that I will be all. very certain to not mention that. I was that. right, though, the first time. You were. You, you guessed and you were right. You just had me double check. Me and my knowledge of the original Jurassic Park and not yeah. really any of the ones other than that. Though I've seen a fair amount of them. That's and the only probably one. forget them. That's the only one you need to know. Actually, you know, funny <laughs> thinking back on it. Uh, now, I kind of like how, because I mentioned how it avoided the white savior thing. Uh -huh. I, I have to wonder if they, if they were deliberately toying with that trope a little bit, given that the, the overarching villain is basically a walking imperialist. Yeah. You know, with his very, look, I, I'm in charge. Hologram, too. Yeah, yeah. The guy we only see as a hologram. I, for, I forget his name. He's, he's. It's like. Jason, like J. Yeah, I think it's Jason. It, it, it's, um, a, it, it's, um, it's Star-Lord's dad. He's a jerk. Um, oh, right, except that he's different in this. Than yes, they, the they, they also changed who his dad was in the, in the movies. So, like, completely different character, but still. Him in the movies. Still, I mean, he's awful in the movies, but he's great at being awful. Still very much a jerk, but, but he is, he is kind of that imperialist, colonialist, Kind of guy is like, look, I I have the power, therefore I can move a people wherever the heck I feel like if it suits my needs, mm -hmm. and that's just kind of how he operates. Fate. Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, but I I kind of like how thematically that complements the the way that Carol is sort of initially rebuffed, kind mm -hmm. of um, you know as like. You're just another outsider trying to tell us what to do. We don't need you either. Yeah. So I, I it definitely takes some time figuring out and establishing alliances and it it does. And like you said, there there is a lot going on. It it moves at a at a pretty fast clip. What any thoughts on the art? Um, I liked it. Okay, I like some of the pictures of her like flying with her, you know, mob hawk look. Yeah. Full cut, a full flight outfit. I feel like in general, I like the art's fine. 
I mean, it's not very distinctive one way or another to me for the most part. Some of the cover art is kind of cool, but other than that... I feel like in general the action, it, the, the art style works slightly better in action scenes than it does in, say, dialogue scenes. The artist, the artist seems to be pretty good at, at you know getting dynamic action poses and you know having a sense of tension to that. But when characters are just kind of standing around talking, it, sometimes you get weird faces and. Yeah, there was one where I was like, "Oh, she looks like she's constipated." Yeah, I think in the quieter moments, I I feel like things things go a little sideways. When it's when it's more intense, I feel like the artist knows how to handle that a little better. That's fair. All right. So why don't we touch for a little bit on the movie? Yay. I really enjoyed it. Um, much like you said in your review on uh, Council of Geeks, I... Wow, I've got you trained. You're plugging my stuff for me now. <laughs> Ta-da. Hey. Um, I didn't love it or have like a deep emotional resonance connection, but the more I think about it, the more I was like, I thoroughly enjoyed that. That was fun. Um, which was cool because, I mean, yay, I, I like superhero movies and I'm definitely for like a female-led one, but in terms of the like, this is a movie that has lots of aliens in it, I'm not really into alien movies, I'm not really into, um... Anything with like fighter jets, and also that was a big part of it. So I was like, seeing the previews, I was like, okay, never seen Top Gun. I don't really care to. Like, I don't know about this. Oh, and there's aliens. Like, these are two things that are not really my cup of tea. Um, and I like them both, um, and the way they were utilized in this movie without it being like, this is an alien movie. This is a fighter jet movie. This is what they are about. Like, yeah. I think Brie Larson was awesome. Um, and again, I did like her better, her portrayal of the character better than the one in the in the book because there's just like a slight playfulness to her that I really liked. She Like, we get a little bit of that hinted in the opening when she's still on Earth. Yeah. In this, but, like, the, what goes on in space, she's she's on the back foot often enough that she doesn't really get to be playful. Uh-huh. Um, and, it's, and it's obviously, it's a very different dynamic because, um, and I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about the movie. Like, I would say spoilers, but, like, it's been out long enough that if you were going to go and rush and see it, you would have seen it by now. But if you haven't, like, just be aware. Spoilers are coming up. Just be aware from here. Um, like the whole thing of her having amnesia and having to rediscover who she is, that's pretty much all invented for the movie. That's, oh, I didn't realize that's that. never really been her deal. Um, so it was an interesting way to sort of come at it and, and present the origin in a more roundabout way. Cause basically she's discovering it at the same time as the audience is. I like how that worked. I really like, I think it worked well as a plot device. There was also, and I, I do believe this to be deliberate, because I think, I think Marvel folks knew that there was going to be people, you know, the, the weird internet trolling butthurt uh -huh. people, like, making a stink about, ah, it's a pandering to women, bleh, thing. Uh -huh. there's, there's something that they did in the movie that I, like, I think they deliberately trolled those people. Uh-huh. So, 
It's always been the case that Carol gets her powers from Marvel, who mm-hmm. is the the Cree superhero who in the comics kind of held the mantle before her. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, though, in the comics, Marvel is a dude. Yeah, and in the movie, gonna... in the movie, Marvel's a woman, and they didn't give that away in the marketing. So, not only do they have a character who in the comics does take up the mantle, but they even change the original to also be a woman. (laughs) It's like, oh. Like, and I don't, it's not that I think that they did that for no reason other than to take those people off, but I'm like, that's part of the calculation. And it's, that was Annette Benning. That was Annette, that was Annette Benning. She was great in that. Well, one of her, she kind of, she's kind of got dual roles, but yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she's great. The acting's really good. I really love Maria as sort of the emotional core. There's a video I need to show you that's actually makes a pretty compelling argument for Maria and Carol being romantically involved. Yeah, I think I had heard like some theory for that and I could see that. I also kind of like that there isn't really a romance that's established in this movie. I, I really appreciate that. I, I am on board for it. Like, Carol's got enough to deal with right now. Yeah, like, she's we, we, we don't stuff need, out. We don't need that stuff. Oh, what the one thing I need to talk about, because I liked it at the time, and I've come to love it the more that I think about it, uh-huh. is the way that the final conflict is resolved. Mm-hmm. Which is that her former... Oh, yeah. Her former mentor... This is like... Okay. Spoilers! Uh, yes, big spoilers, but... Spoilers. Galore. But just in case you're listening and you need context, because for whatever reason you didn't see the movie and you don't care, you're a weird person. But for your benefit, hey, um, nice. <laughs> for your benefit, I'm not saying it's weird that you don't care. I just think that it's it's weird that you would or be listening to this, but like wouldn't care about. But anyways, for the oh, sake okay. for the sake of whoever gotcha. that for the sake of whoever that might be. Mm-hmm. Um. What we find out is that Carol has basically been nerfed. She's had her power deliberately inhibited Uh by the Kree. And she basically gets the chains taken off and is way more powerful than Mm -hmm. any of the other people involved in the story. Villains very much included. And she gets in this final face-off with um, the character played by Jude Law, who was kind of her mentor. And... Early on, you know, they had been working hand-to-hand combat, and he's, like, he's goading her, and it's like, it's, he's like, you know, now face me in, in honorable combat, you know, prove to me that, you know, that you, that you actually are worthy of this power, and she just blasts him, and just, she does, it, it's, it's like the Indiana Jones thing with the guy with the sword, and Indy just shoots him. It's like that. She blasts him into a rock, but then the best part, she goes up to him and goes, I don't have to prove anything to you. Mm-hmm. And I love that yeah. so much. She's done. She's done with you, dude. She is not playing your game. Yeah. But I mean, just just the, the layer of theming in that, because when I was thinking about it on the drive home, I'm like, okay, let's like, forget about whether or not how deliberate it was. Let's actually actively look at this through a feminist lens for a second. Mm-hmm. We have a powerful woman deliberately withheld and undermined and artificially handicapped. Mm-hmm. 
in order to keep her under the foot of a <laughs> uh, of of an existing system that does not benefit her. Mm-hmm. When she gets out from under that system and is able to exhibit her full power. A man who is demonstrably not at her level demands that she engage with him in the way that he dictates. Mm-hmm. And she just, it's just this wonderful rebuttal of, no! Not today. No. <laughs> nope, not gonna happen. It's, oh, it's yeah. so, it's so good. He's quite good in the role, too. He is. I mean, it's all good, and oh my gosh, I love her chemistry with Samuel L. Jackson. He was clearly having so much fun. Yes, he was having a blast. Like, it's all, it it was quite good. You know who I was surprised who I liked Latin? Boy, this has turned into a podcast about the movie, but what the heck. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but I, there was, there were a couple people that mentioned it, like, on on our comments, so I feel like Fair we're point. justified. Fair point. Um, I was surprised how much I liked uh, Telos, the the head scroll. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned that to me. I I enjoyed him too. He was quite good. There was something about um, um, Ben Mendelsohn's natural Australian accent, just sort of fe- feeling very laid back. That like felt like that's not the voice I expected this guy to have, and yet somehow feels perfect. Good stuff. Yeah. Oh, it was just, yeah, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, that was fun. I liked it. Like, I would watch it again. I think my mom, I'm finding, is into superhero movies as long as it's like, I don't think she'd be into typical fair words like white man, superhero. (laughs) But she loves Black Panther. She really liked Wonder Woman. I think she would dig this too. I think she probably would. I I think my mother would too, honestly. And, well, I mean, like I said, I didn't quite have that emotional connection that the true top tier superhero stuff has for me. Guardians of the Galaxy too. Yeah, but for for lacking that element, Mm -hmm. it's right up there. Yeah, it's just a good time. It's well-crafted. It's well-acted. Um, I like the main character. I like everyone who's surrounding her. She has great chemistry with pretty much everyone she interacts with. Yep. Love Maria. Um, you know, that that gave me some feels. If I had the feels, it was for, you know, Maria just being like, man, I didn't know where you were, like... Now you're back, you know, trying to figure that out. I was like, oh. And her daughter, Monica, I believe it was. Yes, which yes. which I'm... Okay, this one I legit need to warn, folks. Possible potential spoiler for Endgame. Oh, boy. I'm really hoping, knowing how much later Endgame is set, uh-huh. that Monica gets paid off because Monica Rambeau is a friggin' superhero in the comics. Ooh. So she might be back. Yeah, she might be back, fully grown adult, and that would make sense. And, I mean, and ready been, to go. We saw her at, in the nineties. Yeah. As like tennis, so yeah, she wouldn't be an adult. Yeah, she'd be she'd be in her thirties. Cool. Um, let me see if I can just check like what she's what her actual like mantle has been. Um. I think I think mostly she just goes by Monica Rambeau at this point. Has she? Oh, she's been known as fo- as Photon, as Pulsar, as Spectrum. She's one of those characters who they've 
they've changed her superhero name a few times, but yeah, she's she's been around for a little while. She's been around since the early eighties. Huh. Cool. So I'm 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 kind of crossing my fingers on that because I think that'd be very cool. That would make sense that they did you know Captain Marvel right beforehand and mm-hmm. yeah established that character. Well, if you if you've seen the latest trailers for Endgame, you already have seen her. Yes. I I love Thor summoning his axe right mm-hmm. next to her head, and she like she glances with her eyes, but she doesn't move her head, and she's completely just like, oh, okay, so that's a thing you can do, and that his reaction is not to be threatened by that, but to go, I like her. <laughs> I, I'm really enjoying Thor in the last two movies, I have to say, and Ragnarok, and it's like, yes, you let. Chris Hemsworth be funny. He's so funny. He's, he's got great he's comic He's good timing. at funny. He's he really, really good is. at funny. He's like, thank you. And I'm guessing Valkyrie will be back. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure she was on the... She, when they did the, the posters that confirmed that Shuri was snapped, um, <laughs> that, that they did um, have Valkyrie as among the ones still kicking around. Yay. Well, so, they're going to need all the help they can get. Well, but let's, yes. we should make this a whole thing for Endgame. We have, yeah, we've gone off on a whole thing here. I'm pretty We're sure. just a little bit excited. I'm pretty sure at this point we've actually talked more about the the movies than we have about the... Uh, uh, so I would say Cap- the, the movie is two thumbs up. The, like... Comic is like a thumbs up. Yeah, I mean the comic. The, com- like, okay. the comic's solid. Yeah. All right, so we are going to. Yeah, I'll let you do your spiel. We're gonna do a quick promotional break, <laughs> and then then we'll be back with listener feedback to the previous episode. For years, the Fire and Water Podcast Network has found its joy talking about comics. From Aquaman and Firestorm to Batman and Plastic Man. From giant treasuries to pocket-sized digests. From massive miniseries events to singular one-shot adventures. From romance to horror to whatever the hell Ohatmu or not is. In the last year, they've begun to carve a path through their favorite television shows, such as MASH, Cheers, and Justice League Unlimited. And there's no sign of them stopping. What medium will fire and water conquer next? Do you like good music? Introducing Fire and Water Records, the music anthology podcast from the Fire and Water Network. Find your joy in all new ways as members of the Fire and Water Network and their friends discuss favorite songs, albums, concerts, and artists. Hang on, I've been doing a music show for two years. Featuring Record Revolution. Join the Brothers Daily as we catalog the essential years that shaped popular music and our own lives. A very daily Christmas. An annual celebration of our favorite holiday tracks. Plus, all new episodes of Zoom for Sam. The show in which I share my joy of Samantha Fox by spotlighting a single single every single episode. And Pod Dylan. No, not Pod Dylan. We discussed this. That's staying on its own feed. Not Pod Dylan, but everything else I said. Plus, so much more. 
there's even a chance David Ace Gutierrez will show up. Which brings us back to Fastball, which is really one of the most interesting American bands in the world today. When you think about the number of side projects and solo projects associated with the band, it actually almost out. Fire and Water Records, a proud part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. And we're back, and we have uh, feedback to episode 29, Battle Angel Alita Volume 1. Uh, first, which, to remind folks, you liked better than Ghost in the Shell, but you didn't love, and I liked quite a bit more than you did. Yes, well, you know the material better than I do. You also saw the movie on that one, which I still haven't seen. Yes. I'll, I'll make sure you do, eventually. Uh, first up from Brian Linton. First, I enjoyed your coverage of Battle Angel Alita, both the manga and the movie. I have to admit that I skipped the movie in theaters because I assumed it would be a poorly done adaptation. So I was glad to hear that it's worth watching, and I will give it a try when I can get a hold of it on DVD. Second, over the course of the last year, I started watching Twitch streams of tabletop RPG sessions. This was brought up because we mentioned the the Twitch Rat stream of, uh, of the Rat Queens RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, they can be a lot of fun to watch. Now that I think of it, it... Uh, uh, it was a mention of these Twitch streams in one of Siskoid's podcasts that got me into them. Thanks, Siskoid. Regardless, if you don't want to spend time figuring out Twitch, a lot of these streamers post their old episodes on YouTube. I haven't come across the Rat Queen stream, but I'm familiar with another strong female-led RPG stream called Sirens of the Realms. It's a DD and mm-hmm. campaign that follows an all-girl bard band as they tour across the Forgotten Realms. Oh my god, a party of nothing. Nothing but bards? I'm already intrigued. <laughs> Third and finally, I'm looking forward to your coverage of Captain Marvel. I took my wife and daughter to see the movie on opening weekend and they both loved it. My daughter in particular has become a big fan of the character. Though I don't know who she loves more, Captain Marvel or Goose the Cat. Oh, I love Goose too. We didn't mention him, but yes. Oh my gosh, he was great. Especially <laughs> the end credits. Where I called it. You did. Yes. Yeah, you did. I was like, where what what's gonna happen to the <laughs> to the Tesseract? Spoiler, obviously, but we already said spoiler like yeah. fifty times. And yes, I was and you're like, like, is it like a hairball thing? And then the the uh, the post credits. I was like, yep, okay, yep. You wanna take the next one? Okay. Uh Tim Price says, Manga on the whole is something I haven't collected. Not avoided, just never made the plunge. But in a way, it helps financially to keep away from some books. Know what I mean? (laughs) Yes, this is true. (laughs) Believe me. (laughs) Um, But boy, the artwork for Alita is excellent. It's added to my cosmixology wish list. Comixology. Comixology. I am not familiar with this term. Wish list for the next big sale. It's it's basically... um, uh, Amazon for comic books. Oh, okay. Have I mentioned that you punchers have too much power over me? Um, <laughs> I like that he still calls us punchers. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Captain Marvel. I can't wait to hear you both on that. Quick take. My daughters and I enjoy it. Bunches of punches. Subtle. That's me. Lots of punching. Um, Till next time. Yes, it seems very popular with the daughters. Yeah. Maybe I should take my dad and it could be popular with his daughter. Aww. Uh, 
and finally from Siskoid, I liked the movie, but it was definitely a part one. I didn't uh, think a CG creation would stand up for the length of a film like that. He's talking about the Alita, Alita, the yeah, Alita movie. Yeah, that's what I figured. It took um, me a minute, but yes. I didn't think a CG creation would stand up for the length of a film like that, but Alita was amazingly expressive and touching. Interesting to hear how it was adapted from the page. Thanks, guys. Well, thank you, Siskoid. Thank you to commenters. And even if you don't comment, thank you for listening. Um, we don't know what we're doing next month, do we? No, I think we're looking at The Prince and the Dressmaker. Oh, yeah. Which is on the new Dorothy Canfield Fisher list. I believe that's the title of it. It's, um, well, I'll tell you, we'll tell you more about it then. Yeah, no, we we are overdue to, to give the... The superhero, the superheroics arrest. Yeah, and, a little bit, and do some dive into. I think this is middle school. Is from what I've seen on the list, is that's who it's aimed for. So. All right, so well, uh, that'll be May, and we will see you folks then. Enjoy seeing Endgame, which will come out oh. before our next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will try not to make it a whole. Luckily, we're getting away from the superhero, so it doesn't become like a review of Endgame all of a sudden. I have a feeling it might turn up when we talk feedback on this episode, though. Oh, maybe. Yeah. But okay. it, in any case, have a good month, and we'll see you next time. Happy spring. Bye. Bye. Tough Like a Girl is a Council of Geeks production and a presentation of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Feedback can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on the Facebook page for Fire and Water Podcasts and Council of Geeks. Our logo art was created by Nick Buxom, and our theme music is composed and performed by Erica Dreisbach, whose other works can be found at ericaricardo.com. Bye!